La pendule fait tic-tac, tic-tic. Les oiseaux du lac, pic-pac, pic-pic. Glou, 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 font tous les dindons. Et la jolie cloche, ding-ding-dong. Hey, good morning, rugby friends. I hope you are all well. Welcome to French Rugby Connection Podcast here with moi, Véronique Nandiou, and moi, Mike Pierce. How are you, How Véronique? Are you? <laughs> I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine considering uh, what happened last week. I'm still very much under shock, you know, after hearing the fact that, uh, unfortunately, Christophe Domenici um, died unexpectedly yesterday in Paris, in Saint-Cloud. Um, Christophe Dominici was a rugby legend and uh, he will be sorely missed, not only by the French supporters, but also, you know, by some worldwide um, uh, uh, rugby aficionados. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. and the, the media, the... Twitter accounts were washed with um, with homage, you know, from rugby players, from Dan Carter, um, Serge Betsen, Fabien Gatier, of course, Emmanuel Ibanez, Bernard Laporte, Mourad, um, up to the to the sports French minister who announced it during the assembly yesterday, and all the deputies. Which had the equivalent of the MPs, you know, stood up and and clap uh, in his in his memory. So it's a it's going to be it's very poignant, very very moving, mm -hmm. very hard time. Mm -hmm. And it's uh, uh, in his press conference yesterday, Fabien was very brief and mentioned that they will they were thinking deeply about his family, his daughters, his wife, and. Uh, On Saturday, you know, they will um, they will make sure, you know, they they they, they pay respect to his memory. So yeah, um, everything's been certainly been overshadowed by by the news which which broke yesterday afternoon and at such a tragically young age, age of forty eight. I mean, on a personal level, he's been a familiar figure in the press box at Stade de France since his playing retirement, and you know his uh, his coverage has always been widely respected and his opinions but uh, what a what a great player I mean only five foot seven and a half a very diminutive character but one of these players who would always have you on the edge of the seat when he got the ball you know a bit like Shane Williams a bit like Cheslin Colby he played in three rugby world cups it started off at Toulon funnily enough but I think we all remember him for his 11 years at, at Stade Francais He played 67 times for France between 1998 and 2007 and scored uh, 25 tries. And of course, uh, I'm sure many listeners will remember that marvellous, marvellous World Cup semi-final in 1999 when France beat the All Blacks at Twickenham and Dominici was one of the, one of the main uh, instigators in, in that wonderful win. And as you rightly say, you know, I think we're all in shock that not only for the French rugby public, but the global rugby public were paying their respects yesterday from all over the world, which shows just how well respected he was. And, you know, our deepest sympathies go to his par partner, Loretta, and his, and his young daughters, Chiara and Mia. And, uh, you know, I can only imagine what, what they're going through. It must be, must be really awful for them. Absolutely. And you mentioned he played for Toulon and for 11 years for Stade Francais, but he started his um, his uh, playing days in Solès, Solès-Pont. 
in a small um, in a small town, small team. Okay. Between 1989 uh, to 1991, and in Lavalette afterwards, from 1991 to 1993. And yes, you know, it was it defied the the physicalities of his game, yeah. as you mentioned. Yeah. You know, it was. It was average size for a man, but in rugby, one meter seventy-two is judged as being small, and he was eighty-two kilos. But when he started, he was only sixty-eight kilo. But however, the lining speed, he he excelled in. I was amazing. He was like a pocket rocket. Mm. You know, I uh, if our listeners haven't seen the uh, the try that he stole. <laughs> <laughs> from the All Black in 1999, oh, they need to watch yeah, it. They absolutely. need to watch it. That on um, on YouTube, yeah, it's focus. a must. Probably one of the best moments of of rugby uh, uh, in his life. And you know, I reviewed that. Uh, I, I viewed that again yesterday, and I had a smile in my a slight smile because Andrew Mertens, which I had yes. an interview with yes, course, a yeah. few weeks ago, misses tackle. So yeah. I was about to send a quick message to Mertens. Hey, Mertens, do you remember that try? But, uh, what a fabulous game. Yeah, was, fabulous game that was. Yes. I mean, got me one of the greatest rugby matches of all time, in my opinion. Yes, and the positive news because you know we are, you know, we our podcast is to bring a little bit of happiness. Not really happy, but um some some funny news. He was very much ebullient, bubbly, and uh, lots of fun as well. And as you know, he was part of um, Les Dieux du Stade oh. for I think every year. And uh, <laughs> I watched a few um, a video yesterday about one of his former teammates who mentioned from Stade Français, an English an Englishman, was saying that he was very very cheeky, was pushing you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, the photographers to the to the limit, and many times, you know, he was uh, uh, he displayed. He was let's put it that way. I won't say anything, but he was a very very cheeky character. Um, Just in case the, and, the listeners aren't quite sure what you're talking about, it, they it was start from say who who do a, a naked calendar uh, every year, don't they? Correct, yeah, correct, so, uh, yes. Which. Um, which Veronica subscribes to. I think she's got a regular subscription to that, from what I can gather. <laughs> it's once a year. No, it's going to be on my Christmas list. Thank you very much. Thank you. It's, and it's all for a good cause. Of, it's for charity. Of course it is. So yeah, on. of course it is. And we know majority of the players, you know, have cause for that, uh, such as Fabien Galsi, of course, Serge Benson, uh, was very, very um, um, uh, grateful because he brought loads of money to, his, um, to the foundation of his charity. Uh, but on a more sober note is, you know, guys who are listening to us, majority of you are, are male anyway, it's sometimes life is hard. You know, it's not easy to wake up in the morning. And the one thing you can do is pick up the phone, call anybody, your friends, your your family or if you don't want to, you could always ring, you know, the Samaritans, which is mind manned every uh, every any time of the day, and the number is one one six one two three. As the suicide rate amongst men over forty five is 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 very high in in this country and um, and globally as well. So don't suffer in silence. 
and uh, keep yourself busy. And I hope we'll bring a little bit of uh, happiness in this um, during uh, during today. We still do. Uh, uh, we were planning to sing, but in respect to um, to Mike's ears. <laughs> <laughs> we will, uh, we'll I think you'll have suffered enough. You don't want to hear me singing, but but next week, <laughs> next week it will be a different story. Yes. Autumn International. Yes, I'm so happy. France finally put his demon to bed. They won against Scotland. It wasn't a very pretty win. You know, uh, one of the journalists on or, um, of uh, Midi Olympic headline was "C'était moche." It was ugly, but they got the win, so that's what uh, we will, they will they will be remembered. So, um, my my thought regarding that game was, you know, they were quite cautious. We didn't see too much French flair. Jalibert was a bit shy, be cautious with his ball, um, but. Bearing in mind, you know, they got beaten there in February. It could be that, you know, they were they were apprehensive. Uh, on a very positive note, they only they didn't score, they didn't get uh, any try. The only score, uh, try that was scored by was by Viri on a, at the 31 minutes. Uh, defense was really excellent. Merci, merci, Sean Edwards. Thank you, Sean Edwards. <laughs> and um, uh, so there was, there, there were lots of good um, all together. The uh, the pack as well was was strong, and um, yes, I, I think it shows um, how far France have come that people are being critical of this performance. You know, because a couple of years ago this would have been fated as as a wonderful win, but now people are expecting that little bit more from France. I think people have been a bit tough on them. I mean. Personally, I thought the game was brilliant. I enjoyed it. It was close fought. It was tough. It was a proper test match. I thought Jalibert played pretty well, considering. I mean, he took his drop goal brilliantly. And bearing in mind, France haven't played for a couple of weeks and they were disrupted with, with a few injuries. You know, I thought I thought the signs are continuing to be really good. And uh, I'm only sorry that that the top players won't be able to play for the rest of this tournament because it looks like it could end up with an England-France final and France will have to field basically a B team, which which is such a shame. Um, I wouldn't call it as a B team. I would say it's going to be a, a team in which... Um, you know, players who haven't had the chance, you know, to perform yet... Um, the, we will we'll have a chance, you know, to to display the the, the skills. So yes, I know what you mean by as well by B team. We won't have any Tamak, won't have any Dupont. There are only five players that are left, and and but um, still, you know, it's 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 going to be a new new challenge, you know, for um, yeah. for the players. But that was the only way. Around, yeah, but what a shame! You imagine a final between you know England and. France's best team. I mean, that, you know, even just the thought of that match gets you excited, doesn't it? I mean, I think England, England are streets ahead of pretty much everybody in this tournament apart from France. So, um, yeah, but that's, as you say, that's, that's the way it is. So I guess we've just got to, uh, got to go with it. Yes, unless unless the yeah, you never decide know. to break the rules, to bend the rules. Yeah, maybe Bernard can, I... you know, 
do something, you know, oil. Or... <laughs> anyway, moving on. It's not only yes. It's not only France that won. I mean, the most amazing occurrence. A bit like Haley's Comet, you know, which you very rarely see. Wheels. Wheels actually <laughs> won a match for the first time in what nine months. They beat Georgia eighteen nil. It was a rainy night for Georgia in Llanelli. I mean, absolutely atrocious conditions. Wind, rain, and I spoke to a couple of journalists who were there, and they said it really didn't come over on the television quite how awful the conditions were. But good news for Wales is the much-vaunted Georgian scrum was actually taken apart by Wales, who, whose set-piece has improved you know, beyond recognition. Having Samson Lee, Elliot D, Wynne Jones in the front row looked a much, much more solid uh, unit. I mean, it wasn't the weather for scintillating back play, but the youngsters... Uh, Reese Zamet, uh, Callum Sheedy, you know, they all looked very comfortable in, in their positions. Sheedy kicked eight points, and uh, the only worry for Wales really was that uh, one of their star men, Justin Tipperick, went off uh, with concussion and is very doubtful for the England game. But certainly it's, you know, it holds, uh, holds the criticism at bay for a moment, but a very, very tough game coming up. Uh, on Saturday against England, who uh, beat Ireland 18-7. And those who saw the game, what two brilliant tries from Johnny May. And what a, <laughs> It was yeah. amazing. Absolutely. It was a, a thing, a thing of beauty, a masterful try. But, you know, England yes. made a staggering 208 tackles in that game. And, and in fairness to Ireland, they, they stuck in it. You know, the score could have been a lot worse. And I think Bundyaki and... And Farrell for Ireland played really well. But ultimately a win for England, 18-7. And we move on to the penultimate weekend. Scotland, Fiji is off once again. Fiji still struggling with, with COVID problems. 29 players at the moment. So uh, Wales against England comes up at four o'clock from Llanetli. And then France... Italy at 8pm in Paris on Saturday night. Nigel Owens, who a, a regular, always gets a regular mention on his podcast. Yes, 100... he's, a, he's a, one of our regular listeners. And uh, I, I thought that you invited no, him, you know, no, to be I part of our podcast. But it's his 100th international now. What an achievement that is. And I believe he's going to retire. He's, he said, that's it. I'm going to uh, go back to my farm and I'm going to breed my cows and bye-bye. Yeah, you know, the, when you look at referees like Nigel Owens and Wayne Barnes last week, they really are, you know, wonderful exponents of their art, aren't they? You very rarely get a poor game when those two referee, and, and um, I'm sure that's that's not a coincidence. Then the final game, of course, on Sunday is Ireland against Georgia. That's at two o'clock and that game is live on Channel 4. So another cracking weekend. Last weekend of the English lockdown. So um, we've got a weekend of rugby to uh, to enjoy before we start our Christmas shopping. Yes. Regarding Georgia, yeah. you know, I feel a bit sorry for them. I I, I know it's been very difficult. There are emerging na nations in, in rugby. Uh, everybody was scared of their of their um, of their scrummage, yeah. uh, scrummaging. Um, uh, but 
the fact that they haven't been able, you know, to train because of COVID and so on, didn't play. I think it does it does show, you know. Um, and I would really like to see them, you know, at least score one try or two tries against Ireland, you know. So if they could, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, perform that, that that would be great because it's unusual. Georgia is usually um, quite quite good, yeah. you know. It's usually majority of the players actually play yes, for French right, team. Yes, that's right. <laughs> In the top 14, 80% of them. So we know them. But I think the fact that maybe they haven't had that much uh, playing game. Yeah, and the great thing uh, is, Veronica, they don't often up. play teams of this level, do they? So it's it's a great experience for them to have three or four games back to back against, you know, what they call, I hate the term tier one sides, but against tier one sides. So they're, they're only going to learn from that. I just want to quickly mention um, there was a women's uh, international at the weekend. England beat France 25-23. I mean, oh, France uh, were, oh. only, only just, oh. only just, I watched that game at 12.30. I was I mesmerised by the France game. were leading uh, uh, by 13 points with only 10 minutes to go. They had a 10-point lead at half-time. And Cyril Bane's try was absolutely fantastic. If you haven't seen it, go and watch it on YouTube because it was Absolutely superb. England emptied their bench after 60 minutes, and that's what turned the tide. But France was still leading 23-22 with the clock in the red. And um, a penalty in the last kick of the game, and Emily Scott kicked it to, to win the match for England. But it was uh, absolutely... Even I was gutted, actually. So the players must have been absolutely distraught. But what a fantastic game uh, and an advert for, for women's rugby. But if you look at uh, what England achieved, um, they achieved their their score. They tried thanks to uh, they uh, twice, I think, through their mole yeah, as well, yeah. which was slightly different tactic. And they used, you know, the the bench brute yeah. force <laughs> as well. Um, I remember eight of them came exactly, out at the same yeah, time. I think so, it was, wow. Yeah. Okay, so they're bringing some fresh blood. That's an interesting. Tactic, and I think uh, unfortunately it did, it, it it hurt the, the the French team. You know, I was I was absolutely gutted. And when I was watching, you know, uh, Scotland versus France as well, it was touch and go until the last dying yeah. second of the game. And I was thinking, please, yeah. please, please, hog, miss it, miss it, miss it, and he did. <laughs> so it was a bad day in the office for Hog Stewart, and he said afterwards uh, to the journalist, yeah, "Don't mention yeah. it." <laughs> Don't this wasn't like a case. Don't mention the war. He was. Don't mention what I've just done. <laughs> it was a bit. All right, all right. We won't mention it, but uh, I'm sure there will be some some meme. But uh, no, it was. Um, and Sean Edward was saying when he got interviewed after the game that he was sitting on by the edge of his of or, <laughs> on the edge of his seat. You know, he, he, he could see. Yeah. He could have gone. Either way, you know, towards... And that's towards what we love, end, isn't it? But, uh, However much we want our teams to win, the excitement of, of that is what, what makes, you know, sports so special, isn't it? And you know what, Mike? I read somewhere, I think it was in one of the um, dailies, that uh, people think, thought that uh, rugby was becoming boring. <laughs> I said, hello, where have you been? What are you watching? Are you watching Pro 14 or are you watching Top 14 or... Uh, you know, so it was very, very peculiar. So I don't yeah. quite gathered what they were 
mentioning what what do you think about that do you do you agree with that statement rugby is well, becoming boring. boring for me um likewise uh, we we talk about it every week we but you see you see i can equally enjoy as a lot of our listeners can a, a game where it's chucking it down with rain it's two big packs you know teams are trying to battle each other to get a small advantage kick it. it's just such a a battle of you know the great thing about rugby is it is a thinking person's game isn't it it's a matter of wits playing different conditions different tactics and you know if you love rugby i mean I, I, there are very very few games that you watch and i think god oh, that was really boring mike if i said to you the surname teague Does it ring a bell? Well, yes, because I'm a very old person. There was Mike Teague, who played for England and the British Lions in 1989. Um, but I would imagine that's not the Teague you're referring to. No, no, because despite his, uh, his, his great career, he never played in, in France. However, you know, um, I spoke this week with his nephew, Rory ah, Teague. Yeah. Who have obviously uh, yeah. rugby pedigree, so he's going to tell us about his exciting life. You know, he's only 35 years old, but he played for fly half for Cluster, Bristol. Then he played in pro D clubs such as, watch for it, wait for it, Limoges, Tarbes, Aurillac, Grenoble, speaks perfect wow. French. Uh, went back to the UK uh, where he was the coach for Saracens. And then for the RFU, so we work very closely with um, with uh, my friend um, okay. uh, Eddie Jones and uh, et al. And uh, and then he went back to France as the uh, coach, head coach in Bordeaux Blake last year, and then came back to um, uh, to Gloucester. And now he's on the lookout for okay. for new opportunity in um, in France. But I hope you will enjoy his. Um, Is 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 a uh, my, my chat with him, and he even spoke to me a little bit in Brilliant. French. So uh, that okay. would be your French lesson for today, maybe <laughs> an additional one. Good morning, Rory. How are you this morning? I'm very well, thank you. And yourself? Yes, I'm very very well. So um, just to to uh, recap, you know um, about. Um, who you are so you got a very strong rugby pedigree because your nephew uh, is mike uh, so not your nephew your uncle is mike teague who played for england's england and the lions yourself you played fly half for gloucester bristol uh, before you took the french leave and played for limoges Tarbes, aurillac grenoble very nice part of the world very good choice <laughs> Rory, <laughs> then you, uh, you had the spells working for Saracen in 2014-2015 before joining the RFU, where you had a very exciting time. Um, and then you went back to France and was back's coach for Bordeaux Blake in 2018 before returning to Gloucester. But what I have to say and what people need to be aware of, you claim to fame you were the youngest head coach of a European top flight um, team, bordeaux Bègles in 2018. So well done on you. So my question for you is, when you were younger, who were your uh, rugby heroes, French and English, Rory? Um, I think uh, alongside a lot of other young uh 
aspiring rugby players, um, my uh, hero and, and someone I looked up to and, and read his books and watched a lot of his training videos and games was Johnny Wilkinson. I think he transformed the uh, the face of English rugby, um, notably for his drop goal, but also his his attitude and his um, determination. You know, for any young aspiring rugby player, I think he was definitely someone to to look up to. Um, so my English icon would have been Johnny Wilkinson. And then in France, um, I always used to like watching uh, Jusion, you know, the, the Toulouse centre. Yes, yes. Um, mm-hmm. I, just, I just thought he had such a fantastic blend to his game. Very attritional, very abrasive, but then also had moments of absolute brilliance and flair. Um, so the, those, were, those were the two um, people I used to enjoy watching. And yeah. And my Tig, I suppose, your uncle, but you are being too modest to, mo- to mention him. <laughs> no, my Mike is obviously a, uh, a rugby icon in England and especially in the West Country. Gloucester is a very famous character um, and someone that people will look up to and be very proud of um, his representation in, in the rugby community for those amount of years that he was uh, evident. Did he play with Mike Tindall around that time? No, I'd I'd moved on by then, um, and Mike Tindall arrived after me. All right. Um, so uh, you played for Gloucester, then Bristol, and then you decided to move to France. <coughs> what were the reasons behind that? Um, the the opportunity was presented to me, and there wasn't a reason not to take the opportunity. I guess that was why I looked at the French opportunity is one of game time, the opportunity to go and play in a, in a different environment, uh, experience a different culture. I felt at that moment in time in my life, it was, it was a great opportunity to go and mature as a person and experience a different style, a different culture, um, not only on the rugby field, but off the rugby field. And France was a big part of my early 20s from a playing perspective. So I'm incredibly grateful for the opportunities that I was given in France and will always be very proud of the moments I spent there. And, you know, being a young English rugby player, making a transition was a fantastic experience. So yeah, there was one of game time and, and also experiencing a different culture and and traveling. So when you uh, moved to Limoges to play rugby, what your what were your first impression of playing for Prodi 2 club? Uh, I think I was asking myself a lot of questions as to how and why things had done um, the way they the way they are. That was my initial in- impressions. But you know, being very open minded and very curious, I was happy to let you know let myself into experiencing a different way of doing things um, which at that moment in time was rather different to the way coaching happened in England and in comparison to France so the the other other thing that sorry the other thing that stood out to me was how um, incredibly emotional the rugby is in France you know it's very passionate each town represents itself in a different way um, can think back to going to, th- to to different places to play, and each 
each team had their own special feel to them. So that was incredibly exciting. And, you know, know knowing that you're going to go and play a team and each team brings something slightly different emotionally was was a fantastic experience. Yes, yeah, I agree with you. So um, when I first, you know, supported Saracens, I was quite surprised, you know, how quiet the supporters were mm -hmm. <laughs> comparing to the French crowd. Um, but, you know, it, 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 was still, it was still very, very much great, great fun. But in terms of uh, training, what were the main, main differences in terms of the way you were coaching Gloucester and Bristol versus the way you were coaching uh, Limoges, for instance, and the other clubs you played for? I think in... We, we had some great coaches at, at Gloucester um, in Nigel Marvel and Dean Ryan you know, and, and learned lots both as a player and, and that's helped me transition into coaching. Um, but the, the difference was I probably felt that there was more freedom and they like to promote the feel, um, you know, in the expression of uh, Santé la Défense, um, which wouldn't be something that would happen Uh, in England, we we probably are a little bit more pragmatic and uh, organised in a slightly more orderly fashion than what happened back in the day in France. And that's not to say that one way is right or one way is wrong. It's just a different mindset and different culture. So the French the French was slightly more slightly more relaxed, and I think the the players had a slightly bigger role to play and. Um, keeping the traditional French way of doing things alive. Obviously, you know, you arrive, you know, straight off from the west, the southwestern country. Uh, did you speak any French at all? No, I was, uh, it, my French was very limited, very basic. Um, so it was a, a huge uh, learning, cur learning curve. <coughs> Excuse me. But I had some really good people around me. Tim Clark, former Breve and uh, Waratahs Australia number nine. He'd already been there for a couple of years, so he was very helpful. And I think that 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 handover of foreigners that have previously been in France and when a new foreigner arrives, there will, there's always that helping hand around. Um, but the the French, I do feel, show a lot more warmth and appreciation when you begin to make the effort and ask questions. And there was a moment in time where there was lots of errors and it felt a little bit awkward, but that's, that's was part of the experience and part of the learning, you know, being uncomfortable and learning and learning from the failures that you make. For sure. Yes. And it's very much appreciated when a player is trying to make an effort, speaking the language of the countries uh, he's playing at. Um, so, Yeah, that, that just, I'm sure must have been well, well, very well received. Um, so, would you say that uh, French rugby pro D2 top 14, in your opinion, now um, is a more difficult competition than rugby Premier League? Um, a great question. So, my experience of top 14 is that scrum, line out, um, and maul is quite a big factor to consider. Uh, when coaching and playing there. And if you, you know, the expression of no scrum, no win is is very, very true in France. Um, the the league is very attritional. Some big, big teams, some big players. 
lots of collisions. Um, but again, there, there's also the element of flair and uh, an element of what can we say unpredictability around the the games. So the games can be spun on on their head within a, an action or a moment of play. So, and then the English league is probably slightly more biased towards the kicking game. Um, so yeah, they're very different in in their own rights. Yes. Yeah. And um, so you you played as I was mentioning, you know, for Limoges, Tab, Orio, Grenoble, um, and then you moved back to the UK. Why did you move into coaching at such a young age? Of um, so you were twenty seven. Yeah, I had some some injury issues uh, at that age when I left Grenoble. So I just felt that as a fly half and and being quite involved in the game plan and you know always having a, a desire to become a coach the moment presented itself where I had the opportunity to go and work in coaching at, at, at a young age as you mentioned um, so it sort of presented itself quite naturally quite organically and and things just progressed from there so yeah as a player I always wanted to get into coaching after rugby and I was just fortunate enough to be in the right place at the right time and those those opportunities presented themselves and you coach for Saracen my team <laughs> yeah which experience do you have because you were coaching there during the golden years in 2014 well actually maybe not 2014 was a terrible terrible year when uh, Saracen lost um, not only the Champions Cups but also the Premier League But then, you know, they dust themselves up and they were successful again in 2015, winning the Premier League. So what memories do you have from coaching uh, in, uh, in Salta de Mons? Yeah, it was a great experience. The staff and players were very welcoming for newcomers, especially in the, in the year that me and uh, a guy called Ian Vass, who formerly coached at Montpellier, we, we coached together at Saracen. So, you know, it was fantastic. And, The, the ethos and culture that they created for the staff and players was fantastic. So lots of fond memories of my time at Saracens and no doubt it shaped me as a person and as a coach um, to where I am now. Yes, and Adesani were saying that uh, you met somebody you you trained earlier, uh, a certain Maro Itoje because you also coach in Harrow School. And then a few years later, you know, you met uh, you met him playing for, for Saracen. Yeah, so La uh, Maro's last year at Harrow School, I was the, the rugby professional there. So I coached across all different teams and had some contact with Maro in his final uh, months before he was transitioning into becoming a, a pro at Saracens and then that, that very summer also joined Saracens as well so we, we moved across together but you know Marrow's um, success is, is purely down to him I take absolutely no credit for for what Marrow has achieved uh, to date Yeah being very modest I think you know both in the text to tango at the end of the day <laughs> In my opinion. And uh, yeah, so Maro is looking good. You know, do you think he might become the next uh, uh, British Lions uh, captain? Yeah, for sure. There's there's that opportunity or, or option, shall we say, for 
Marrow, he's got great leadership qualities. His playing speaks for itself. I just hope he continues to evolve and, and develop into the world-class player he is, he is already. And there's lots more to come. And such a gentleman. I remember in 2015 when I was um, at the Saracen Supporter Association, um, two players were recognized in 2015 for, for their effort and for their playing. And it was uh, Billy Vunipola and uh, Maro Itoje. And I remember having a conversation with uh, Maro and he was is such a gentleman. He's so polite. And um, uh, yes, it, it was a, a, a great pleasure to, to speak with him. Very, very humble. So, uh, and, he's still, and he's still the same anyway. So that's, uh, that's positive to see him uh, moving um, in such, at such a great uh, pace, you know, towards uh, the Trasapiros of, uh, of international rugby. Um, what would you say your best coaching moment has been so far? Oh, there's been lots of different uh, moments and emotions in, in coaching, as you can imagine. So winning winning the Junior World Cup with that team in 2016 and also now seeing uh, so many of them go on to make premiership debuts and hit landmarks of 50 games in the premiership. And more recently, those players that have gone on to earn full international caps so that that moment of winning the 2016 junior world cup in manchester with england in the 20s was a, a very special moment um and an another moment that sticks out in my mind is, is also you know becoming the head coach of bordeaux it's an incredibly proud rugby club with a, a great history of two clubs that merged together so you've got two clubs worth of history there Um, and you know, being being the head coach of Bordeaux was an incredibly proud moment uh, in in my rugby co coaching career. So, yeah, those are the two moments that stick out for me. Of course, there's going to be others. Uh, you know, the the moment when you give a young player a contract at 18 in an academy, and you know that there's an opportunity there for him to change his life and go on a, a journey in rugby is is also a proud moment. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I believe that you met, uh, you know, Gabriel Ipitoye as well, who plays for Agen. Right now, um, Gabriel is injured, but uh, do you think there would be more younger players uh, deciding to play in top 14 in the future? Yeah, I, I think that younger players are very curious and very open-minded to different experiences and they know that different experiences can shape their their mindset and shape their experience and, and them as people and players. Um, but no, nothing to stop them also being a one-club uh, player, which is also a very feasible route um, for young rugby players. So... I do see that there could be a, a transition for a lot more younger players uh, going over to top 14 and experience it. And, you know, fair play to Gabriel. He's he's taken the, the step over, over the channel and I, I wish him all the best.
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Is great, great player. A big loss for for Queens. And that reminds me, you know, the reason why I was speaking about uh, Maroui Touré is that when I had when I had that conversation with him when he was a very young player five years ago, I asked him whether uh, he would like to play for a French club. And he said, yes, Racing, I would really like to play for Racing one day. But uh, who knows, maybe towards the end of his career. Yeah, never say never. Exactly, exactly. So uh, I bet you've been busy as well, you know, watching the Autumn International. Um, England, yeah, they're playing pretty, pretty well. And in you, you played, you used to coach for the RFU as well. Can you elaborate a little bit more what you did for them? Uh, so I first joined the RFU as the attack coach for the under-20s. So I had a Six Nations and World Cup cycle with with those, or not a cycle, but I, I managed to tag on to the Junior World Cup that very year. And then I moved over to the senior, or up to the senior squad and was skills coach under Eddie Jones. So I had two different roles in in the RFU, which was fantastic experience. And the, the RFU facilitate lots of learning for coaches and working alongside Steve Borthwick, Neil Hatley, Paul Gastard, and, you know, being guided by Eddie was a fantastic moment to, to share with that group of people. So it was a very varied um, period of experience there at the RFU, which, you know, is, is very evident in my mind still now. Yeah, just down the road from where I live in Penny Hill. Very nice. It's where all the rich yes. people live. <laughs> That's where it is <laughs> as well. Uh, how did you cope with uh, Eddie Jones' sense of humour? Yeah, Australian sense of humour. I've had the luxury of playing uh, with with different um, players from Australia, so you know, there was no no shock um, around the sense of humour. It's it different, but it's it's all good. Yeah, I have to say, I like it's uh, Eddie Jones is like Marmite. Either you like him or you don't like him. I, I I'm one of his fans, you know. I really like his sense of humor. <laughs> he always likes stirring, you know, the pot before before a game. Last week, what did he say? He said, "Oh yeah, he said the Irish team was uh, it was very much like a United Nation <laughs> because there were so many foreign players." And um, uh, oh, he's, 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 he said a few other things as well, but uh, and when you meet him, you know he doesn't care who you say. He say hello, mate. Hey, mate. <laughs> <laughs> but he knows me. That's, that's for sure. Um, so talking about you know the amount of foreign players, I've noticed that in the top fourteen, the, it appears that there are less and less foreign players. Have you uh, uh, have you um, spotted that as well? Well, I, I knew that. The GIF rule was coming in and the certain guidelines around how many foreigners you can have in your match day squad versus the amount of French qualified players was going to definitely reduce the amount of foreigners that were coming into French rugby. I think that having foreigners in, in any culture and rugby league, be it Japan, France, England, Wales, Scotland, Ireland, etc., or even overseas, further afield into New Zealand, Australia, South Africa, only benefits the the league. So, having people of different cultures, backgrounds, mindsets, skill sets is hugely beneficial for any country to have 
in their in their team. So I don't see I don't see it being a, a bad thing. It's just about controlling it and making sure that you're not blocking the pathway of some really good young French English talent, for example. So you know that was one thing that we looked at at Bordeaux: the ability to give a pathway to Mathieu Jalibert, Cameron Walkie, for example, whereby they do have some foreigners in that position and or some experienced French players. It does allow them to learn and be guided whilst exposing them to, to the league itself. And hopefully their their pathway leads them to international honours. Yes, I have to say some top 14 clubs have some very, very uh, good academy. Uh, even, you know, I was speaking with Philippe Sela a few, a few weeks ago and he was telling me that the economy in Agen is excellent, but it's so good that, you know, players, you know, get uh, get picked up by other teams, you know, when they are 18. So it's kind of a uh, funny situation to be in. To be in. But uh, uh, talking about academy players as well, you um, mentioned that you, um, you coach... Um, Max Malins, when he was playing on the, the in the under twenty uh, teams as well. Yeah, I had the opportunity to coach Max at Saracens and England in the twenties. So Max was part of the 2016 Junior World Cup winning team and played fullback in the in the tournament. Had a great tournament. Has then progressed to the senior squad at Saracens and latterly at Bristol. And great to see him get his international cap. Lovely guy, great player, good rugby mind. Just fantastic to see him progress. Yes, yes, it is great. So, um, what do you think about the coaching staff appointed by Fabien Galtier? Um, are they the reason why Les Bleus are becoming great again? Um, I think it's a combination of things. I've always said that the French national team is a sleeping giant. You know, the under 20 squads that have gone on to win uh, World Cups are only going to help feed the the depth of the international the international team so and then coupled with Fabian's ability to bring a group of people and staff to, together has been great to see uh, the the appointment of Sean Edwards is is undoubtedly helped develop that mindset of how you get better Um, with his experience, you know, Rafael Ibanez is there. He's a, he's a French rugby legend and will add lots of value to that group. Has a background of experience in in England and and also coaching in, in France. So I think it's a, it's a great group that they have together. And just watching the French team walk out onto the field at the weekend, they have a very steely look around them, a look of one that they know what they need to do to win and they look like they're capable of going the distance and for them to win away from home in France, uh, sorry, in Scotland was a testament to where I think they've, they've come from and where they're going. So massive uh, congratulations to Fabian and his staff and players. because I think that they've turned the corner and there's a, a bit more hope for the future of French rugby in relation to competing at the top end? Definitely. There are some dire years, you know, between 2012 and 2018, but they seem to have a ramp up again. And uh, I'm sure you were pleased to see your former protégé, uh, Mathieu Jalibert, last uh, last Sunday in, at Murrayfield. 
yeah, for sure. It's always great to see those young guys come through into the national squads. Matthew, I thought, had a, a very balanced game, as we'd say, an, uh, a, a correct game. I think Fred uh, Michelac, he said exactly the same this week in the French press. So, look, Matthew's a, a player with a little bit of X factor. He's got that stardust um, element to his game. But I thought that he but he managed the game really well, stuck to the game, the game plan. He was very good in the backfield, took some really good high balls. Um, maybe this week against Italy, he might be able to show a different side of his game. But it's great to see that those different contexts, those different games help a player become the more complete player. And no doubt, Matthew's performance at the weekend, albeit not the typical performance you'd see of Matthew Jalibert, but he's got to begin to show the other side to his game uh, of a game management, being pragmatic, sticking to the game plan, and and facilitating those around him. So it was great to see. Yeah. Yes, I think you know um, next week the Les Bleus will have uh, more chance to display their French flair against Italy. Obviously, it will be a brand new team because of the uh, the three games rule. Um, but it was going to be a great opportunity for for the players, you know, to uh, to flash. But um, another thing is reason why I think they were a bit not as as creative as usual um, in Murrayfield. I think Les Bleus last uh, on Sunday was you know they, they they got they got beaten there last time you know so it was kind of a, uh, you know it was. But bad memory for them because it did cost their the the grand slam you know the um the 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 the, the, the six nation you know losing losing there in uh, in february but uh yeah it's it's looking good for the french les bleus and what about uh, england let's talk about england what are your thoughts about uh, uh england playing uh, in this uh, autumn international hori well, I think the English performance against Ireland was absolutely outstanding. The the power, um, pace that they displayed was absolutely outstanding. So, yeah, they're a team that's on form, blooding young players. They're more established players are beginning to become leaders and really, really playing with lots of confidence. So... Yeah, the the English team are, are on fire at the moment. More to come, no doubt. Uh, Eddie will be pushing them towards perfection. So yeah, watch this space there. I think. And what about the final between France and uh, England for the autumn nationals? Yeah, well, you know that one will be an absolute firecracker, won't it? So the French always love to beat the English. Um, <laughs> but le crunch. Exa- exactly that, but. I think that will be an absolutely outstanding game to watch. And, uh, yeah, wow. And I remember so well, you know, before they played um, uh, uh, Les Bleus, Eddie Jones was saying, oh, he was very, very uh, laid back and evasive about the French, you know, saying, oh, that's so young, you know, we'll, we will beat the uh, CRAP out of them and so on. He didn't, he didn't quite say that, but he implied that. And then, then you know, France won. So that, 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 that was positive. So um, yourself, you know, I know you, you, you speak very, very good French. Tu parles très, très bien français. <laughs> mieux, mieux, mieux que moi. Um, so would you like to coach in France again, Rory? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, 
I've always had a passion for French rugby. As I said at the beginning of of this podcast, it was a huge part of my my growing up, my rugby career, and you know, there's definitely still the burning desire to get back into French rugby at some stage. Um, never say never. Um, you know, as one door closes, another one opens, as we say. So yeah, I'd love to uh, go back to France at some stage and look at an opportunity there. Yes, it's quite a place. What do you like the most about France? Ah, uh, the, there's. And no, what do you like the least as well? Oh, there's, no, there's, there's not. There's not too much that that I dislike. Um, yeah, look, it's a great lifestyle there. Very, very different in different areas, and you know being someone that's quite curious I like to find out different ways of living and different um, parts of history in, in France and different cultures you know you just look at the different cheeses that you have in different regions and wine and um, different dishes that, that are in different parts of France and then you know coupled with the the passion for rugby there it's just a it's a great experience and one one that I've missed in the last 18 months but hopefully uh, that opportunity uh, presents itself again in not too distant future you find the way of communicating from the french more direct than the english um i think we're, we're, we're obviously different like that you can't deny that if you look at someone like christophe he he's really really changed the the way of playing and and the culture in, in bordeaux you know that there's The, the kudos and, and being French is a very important factor. Um, but it, it's just about adapting and finding the balance in, in any environment that you work in, I guess, isn't it? And, you know, sometimes you get it right, sometimes you get it wrong. And it's those moments when when you get it wrong and you learn and you think and you reflect and you grow from it. So everyone's everyone's different. There's no right or wrong way, I, I, I believe. So it's about finding the balance and, and the right mix for the right environment. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well said. Um, and finally, Rory, which advice would you like to give to a player who would like to transition into a coaching role? Okay. Um, I think it's important to gain as much experience in different situations and different environments. Um, don't tie yourself down to, to one way of doing things. Um, ask lots of, lots of questions, be open-minded, uh, and that that width of knowledge, whilst gaining the depth of knowledge, is is important. So as many uh, moments you can gain in in coaching environments, um, both in and outside of your your sport, is is essential. Tout à fait, absolutely. And could you say that in French? Okay. Wow. Now you're really testing me. Um, quel, quel conseil donnerais-tu aux, okay. aux joueurs qui voudraient transitionner dans un, dans un, un rôle de, de, de coaching Pour moi, je crois que c'est très important de gagner beaucoup d'expérience euh, dans beaucoup de situations. Par exemple, tu peux, tu peux aller travailler avec une équipe de foot ou une équipe de, de hand. Uh, il faut rester toujours ouvert et, et poser beaucoup de questions aux les entraîneurs euh, tu vas croiser tout à fait amazing amazing really good answer and knowing that you know you learn French, uh, French you know just a few years ago that's really really good so it's a great asset you know to uh, <laughs> to uh, to have uh, 
to have had the you uh, know to 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 be able to to speak French fluently, you know, in in the language is very very well received. So I wish you all the best. It's been a pleasure to speak with you, Rory. Thank you for having me on. It's been it's been great to discuss all of the topics that we've covered. Yes, and uh, on that note, you know, I would say, uh, well, you know, because I'm French, I would say, allez les bleus for next uh, for the next match. Absolutely. <laughs> I don't I don't know what you say in, for the English. You say allez les les blancs. Or... <laughs> <laughs> I'm not too sure. Yeah. I'm not too sure. <laughs> Lo- lovely to speak with you. You take care. Thank you very much. Bye bye. Okay. Bye. Bye bye. Top 14, oh, top 14, only three matches this week and they were catch-up matches. Um, I listened to the Stade Francais versus Bordeaux. Stade Francais has been winning for the third time in Stade 1. The score was 26 to 16, so bravo Stade Francais. Um, then Bayonne versus Toulon. Uh, Toulon is missing his internationals. And I think five of them okay. are coming back next week. So that will be positive. Obviously, they won't have um, the Wonder yeah. Kid Carbonel, who will play for, for France. Um, uh, they, they, despite the fact that Toulon scored four tries, and Bayonne two tries. The overall score was 35 to 29 for, for Bayonne. So I'm very impressed by Bayonne. They keep um, yeah. going up, 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 up. You know, they, they are, are, s- they are a, a, t- yeah. a, t- a team to watch. Something good is happening there. And what about um, you? Which game did you watch? I a quick look at uh, La Rochelle against Racing, which was a game of five penalties, no tries whatsoever. Um, La Rochelle won 9-6, so nothing really much to report about. Uh, West kicked three penalties for La Rochelle, and uh, our old faithful uh, Francois Tranduc and Iribaren kicked a penalty each for Racing. But uh, coming up this weekend, I just go through the fixtures. On Friday night, this is obviously subject to, to COVID, as is everything else. On Friday night, we've got La Rochelle against Breve, uh, along with uh, Castra against Claremont. On Saturday, your boys at uh, Toulouse take on Agen, and Toulon take on Poe. And as you say, uh, they've got uh, Charles Olivon, the French captain, back. Uh, forgot to mention that Bet- Baptiste Serran has now been made captain of France. Um, and then finally on Sunday, Racing 92 against Bayonne. And the final game of the weekend, Sunday night, Lyon against Stade Francais. Interesting. Good to see some um, top 14 back again. And obviously, you know, we didn't talk about, but France is going to play against Italy in Stade de France. So uh, you were saying earlier that um, Fabien Gatier and Raphael are keeping five... Yes, only players. five survivors from Edinburgh who are Wocky, uh, Jalibert, Couloud, uh, Louis Carbonel, who you mentioned from Toulon, and Teddy Thomas. So uh, very uh, going to be very interesting to, to see the team that, that Fabian puts out. And Italy, who improved dramatically against um, in, in the last game against Scotland, I thought, will uh, I think they'll give them a tough game. 
it's very possible. Franco Smith seems to be yeah. doing some some good over there since he uh, took over. And as you can gather, it must be a very yeah, emotionally yeah. charged yeah. Um, yeah. charged day, you know, for for the French team. For so there would be lots of. Uh, Lots of um, minutes silent, not only in France, sure. but I yeah, expect worldwide, you know, I think, yeah. elsewhere, you know. So, French lesson, la leçon de français. I thought, I thought I was getting half-term holidays. So, no, I don't I get any holidays in this school. <laughs> no, no. So, um... Quick question for you: How do you stay? How do you translate? Staff. How do I translate? What? What? What is it in English? You mean? How do you spell it? Yes. Yeah. In 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 the rugby world, staff. S. No, not stuff. Staff. Le staff. Staff of a team. Team staff. S T A. As in team. Or like like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How do you say that in French? You can say that half correct. Come on then. Yeah. Uh, so you could say uh, l'équipe is correct, le personnel, but more and more people use the they staff. Say, okay. staff. Yes, yeah, it's like the weekend okay. we're becoming more and more anglicized. But you know, you you, you take uh, some of our words such as uh, I suppose manche tout, ménage à trois, bonnet de douche, bavavavoum. <laughs> so it's give and take you know, la on, la. on both sides. Absolutely. Ooh la la. Okay. okay. Joke. Some people didn't get my my uh, joke oh, last nice week. Job. They didn't get it. Was it a blonde joke? Was was they no, all blonde No, so I said people? to them, "Are you blonde?" <laughs> exactly. That's what I thought. I said, "Are you sure you're not blonde?" <laughs> oh gosh, I'm going to okay. be very gentle today. Yeah, uh, oh, very very sweet because it's me, short and okay. sweet like me. Is that was that was that the joke? Okay, okay. No. Oh, I see. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Two jokes. <laughs> okay, so what? What's a bee's a favorite sport? <laughs> Yeah, a bee, a bee. What's a bee's favorite oh, sport? Bees, you know, Maya's sport. A bee. Let me think. I don't know. I know they always used to say, "Did wasps have a bee team?" But uh, let me think. No, I don't know. What is it? What is a bee's favorite sport? Oh, Rugby. <laughs> <laughs> I'm yeah, surprised you didn't get oh, that shit. one. Are you sure you're not I wish blonde? I was. I'd, I'd settle for any colour, to be honest. <laughs> I'd settle for grey. <laughs> Just some hair. I can yeah. sell some of my hair. My hair is so long. <laughs> I will sell okay, my hair. Yeah, can yeah, use it as, as a wig, you know. <laughs> so, rugby friends, uh, I hope you enjoyed this podcast again. Uh, another another um, full weekend of rugby to to watch with the autumn international. We shall see you next week. Yeah, uh, just thanks to everybody who's something? listening, everybody who's subscribing. If you haven't subscribed, please do. 
it, it makes a big difference and we really appreciate you know there is uh, there are other podcasts out there but hopefully we're bringing you something a little bit different and we really appreciate you listening so have a great weekend uh enjoy your rugby uh, stay safe and we'll catch you next week bye okay bye Quand notre cœur fait beau, tout avec lui dit